ladies and gents, welcome to the Control Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 36, I'm joined by Dom. How's it going, Dom? Good evening. Good evening. No Jordan, uh, thanks to Comcast Internet in Tennessee. We're not going to be having him this week. He'll be back next week, though. Uh, so, let's get into what we've been playing. Uh, so, right off the bat, I've been playing Titanfall 2. I beat Titanfall 2, played multiplayer. Um, Titanfall 2 isn't game of the year necessarily, but I really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, Dom and I were talking before the show that... Um, Effect and Cause, which is like the fifth or sixth mission in the game, is to me one of the best uh, missions in an FPS game in the last 10 years. It's up there with uh, All Gillied Up and No Russian. Um, and it just, it's fantastic. It takes a lot of really cool and interesting game design elements and throws them into a time manipulation platforming level. Um, I know it's a lot of words I just throw at you, but yeah, Titanfall 2, uh, really solid game. Um, not a 10 out of 10, but definitely has a lot of really standout ideas for FPS games. Um, unfortunately, we might not see a Titanfall 3 due to sales numbers, you never know. Um, but I thought it was a really good game, and um, yeah, it definitely is in contention to be you know, a top 10, top 5 game. Is a game of the year? Probably not. Um, other than that, I played some more Massive Chalice. I don't know if you're familiar with it, uh, Dom. Massive Chalice is from Double Fine. It's a, it's a, like a turn-based RPG, but it's also like a simulation game, and it's two things mixed into one. You create these four families, they have different classes, there's like archers and caberjacks who have these like giant log things that they bash into people. And you kind of like, the two parts of the game are you trying to make your kingdom survive and have them have kids and have warriors and all this stuff. And then it cuts to when your your uh, your area gets attacked and you have to go into the world and you pick uh, five of your bravest heroes and you use them in turn-based combat. There's an age system in the game, so they can die of old age. There's specific enemies that every time they hit you, you gain five years to your life. There's a lot of strategy involved in the game. It's really fun. It's really hard. I haven't gotten the achievement for beating the game, and I've played through the game, uh, I think, three or four times. There's 300 years you have to survive, and you you basically go through the timeline at an accelerated speed. I've made it to year 300, but then there's a final fight to protect the massive chalice. That's the name of the game. Uh, which kind of gives life and all this stuff. And in between, there's also, like, uh, choose-your-own-adventure text-based decisions you have to make based on, like, this crazy guy came into your throne room and he said he has the answer to defeat the enemy. What do you do? Do you put him in prison? Do you let him keep talking? Or do you throw him in the chalice and see what happens? Uh, so it's, like, these these decisions you have to make. Uh, it's a really cool game, really hard. Like I said, I haven't beat it. Uh, made it to the end, but I haven't beat the game. Uh, also played Overwatch. There was a new update with Sombra, a new character, and they also added in new game modes. There's a 1v1 game mode and a 3v3 game mode with a really cool breadcrumb trail kind of system in it to where, so normally in Overwatch you get loot boxes for every level you gain, and with the new game modes they made it so when you, fin when you, when you win your first match in that new game mode, you get a loot box. When you win your next two, you get a, a loot box. When you win your next three, you get a loot box up to nine. So it's kind of like keeping on that string of playing their new game mode and getting uh, kind of uh, rewards for that. Um, they're really well balanced. I mean, Overwatch can't do anything wrong. Blizzard's a phenomenal, you know, publisher and game developer. Um, and the last thing I've been playing through is Mass Effect. So on N7 Day, they announced that the whole trilogy was going backwards compat, which basically eliminated the idea of there ever being a remaster of the trilogy for now. Um, they might decide to do that in the late future, but... Uh, as it says before Andromeda, you're not getting that. Um, and I was like, oh, I get to play Mass Effect, which is really awesome. But I was worried because, so I owned all of the three Mass Effect games physically, because this is before the dawn of digital. And uh, you have to put your discs in for backwards compatibility. I don't have those games anymore. I've just lost them through moving. But through EA Access, they, all of them are on there through that. So if you pay for EA Access monthly like I do, five bucks a month, I, I, I think it's extremely worth it. Too bad PlayStation gamers don't have it. I get to play all three of them digitally, which is cool. Um, so I played through Mass Effect 1 again. Uh, it's a shame. I might just go back and see if... I don't think saves are tied to, to the game itself. It's just tied to your account. So I'm going to go back to my Xbox 360 and see if I can upload those saves to the cloud. Um, so I'm going to tinker with that after we're done recording. But I've just been playing through the first Mass Effect. I'm not too far in. I'm, uh, I left the Citadel, and now I'm just going around to a bunch of random-ass planets and doing side stuff. Um... So that's pretty much it for me as far as what I've been playing this week. What about you, Dom? So not too much. Um, first thing I want to get out of the way, the season finality for American Horror Story season six was last night. So we Ooh. watched that. And <sighs> you're not watching. Uh, you're not watching Westworld, right? 
No, it's on HBO, okay. right? Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, episode seven or eight. Great. It, it's a it's a really good show. It's a really good. Show. When I turn uh, when I turn HBO now back on for uh, Game of Thrones, I'll probably uh, yeah watch that Westworld business in the meantime. Um, but anyway, American Horror Story. Like the first four or five episodes, and then into the sixth episode, some of the best and most creative writing ever in anything at all. Like, it's hard to explain it. I can't really say much without totally spoiling it and the whole twist of everything, but it was clever as shit. Like, how they told this story was like, whoa, like, okay. It's not even like I didn't see that coming. It's like, I didn't know that 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 could come at all, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That being said, at at about that halfway point, like, the... (sighs) The villains got really played out, and it was the same killings over and over. And by the end, and they kept kept on bringing in brand new characters who would be there in the show for fifteen minutes and then get killed the same way. So what's the point and of killing that, them then? Yeah, it's like there's nothing there. Yeah, and, and it was the same four villains. They're you know ghosts or whatever, and it just got dull really quick. So it's like a television uh, show that episodes. like a season that just ran too long, like to its own detriment. Yeah, and it's not even that it was too long. It was just they didn't do enough different through the like the home stretch of it. I guess it just felt. I got you. And then by the end of it, like they they you know they cover all their their holes and then uh, they and they wrap everything up. And they actually also in this last episode they brought back a character from season two, which was really cool. Uh, they brought back Lana Winters. So Sarah Paulson played three characters three different characters in this one season so she played like she played an actor who was playing one of the people who were living in the house and then she played the actor just the actor not acting and she played lana winters who uh that was her character in season two so that part was really cool but it was a lot of madness and it i i just fell off and it, it's disappointing because it had a lot of potential but that's just the way. But you it also went. you also finally got another PlayStation, right? So that's good, because you didn't have one for a while. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, PlayStation Pro finally got here, um, and I don't have much to say about it actually. Uh, we're gonna have that as a topic maybe next week or the following week after I get some more time in with it because all I've played so far on PS4 is uh, Telltale Batman. So I caught up with that since I missed uh, two episodes there, and I actually had to restart episode one too. I lost my saves uh, just for that game. Uh, that's weird when i got the pro that's yeah because you can i could re-download you know my saves for every other game but for some reason it didn't for this one anyway still really liking that um it's nuts they're doing things that i never thought possible in a batman story like characters that you think you know are a certain way no matter what just simply aren't that's all i'm gonna say they're taking creative um, liberties, it seems like. I'm waiting for all of it to be out before I dive in, so I'm just trying to yeah. avoid spoilers. And maybe, and maybe these are actual like plot lines from the from certain comics that I just never read and I don't know about, but I was like, what the hell? Why is he doing that? And why is she this person? Like, what? Like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I finished Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons. So those games are like seriously awesome uh we did like our top 10 games of all time or five game whatever it was and those were left out of my list and now now that i'm reminded of how good those games really are they might end up you know they might crack that list for me next time easily without a doubt the best 2d zelda games uh in my opinion mm-hmm. um link between worlds being a close second so and the coolest thing about them too and i it, it, we take it for granted, but like no other game has done this really is the, the linked game functionality where I beat ages and then based on all the actions I took throughout that playthrough, I'm given a code. And keep in mind this this idea was back in Game Boy Color days. So this was like oh, super now innovative. it doesn't yeah. now it doesn't make any damn sense for something to work like this. But yeah, yeah, you use that code and you plug it in when you start a new game in seasons and huge story things change and you get an extra couple bosses at the end and it basically continues it makes it a sequel instead of an unrelated uh occurrence and lots of things change it's really cool it's just really damn cool how they did that so that was uh what i've been playing oh nice 
Uh, yeah, I've never played those games, but I, a lot of people always used to talk about that of like it's really cool how they interact with one another, and it kind of yeah. more so than Pokemon as much as other Pokemon, it does give you a reason to buy both of those games. Um, Very much. Yeah, so uh, we're gonna get into the news here. Um, a lot of this is kind of like rumors, but they're pretty substantiated. They're not just like you know thrown out there. Um, so the first story comes by way of Polygon. Uh, Michael McWhorter writes Telltale reportedly making Guardians of the Galaxy game for Marvel, which I think this is super smart. It's you know Marvel wanting to have more games out there that are actually like solid games, and Guardians of the Galaxy I think is the best IP for this because. Uh, it's the one that they can be the most creative with off the bat without having to worry about anything. Um, and so he writes, Telltale Games is reportedly working on a game based on Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. According to details released by Actors Union SAG-AFTRA and a report from comicbookmovie.com. As part of SAG-AFTRA, members, uh, members ongoing voice actor strike, the union released a list of video game titles. Most of them referred to under their codenames that are both part of and not part of the strike. One of those documents reportedly listed Guardians of the Galaxy, the video game, alongside Telltale's The Walking Dead Season 3. Uh, as in development at O'Farrell Enterprises, that company is registered under the name of Dara O'Farrell, the voiceover producer for The Walking Dead, Tales of the Borderlands, and other Telltale games. Uh, the document that outed Telltale's Guardians of the Galaxy appears to have been updated. The current version of that list of titles now refers to the project as Untitled, Untitled Marvel Game, a.k.a. Blue Harvest, uh, alias being a reference to the working title of Star Wars Return of the Jedi. Which I thought was pretty cool. And it seems like, you know, Guardians has a lot of nods to Star Wars. So, um, I just want to talk about this real quick. You just talked about playing Batman. Does a Guardians Telltale game get you excited? Because it definitely gets me excited. Uh, not particularly, just because I never watched that movie. Uh, I've been oh meaning to, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but from, like, you know, from the trailers I've seen, it seems like a good fit for a Telltale game. Uh, much like Batman was. The only, the only difference being, I, I don't know, so for Batman... There's been those stories have been told a lot of different times in a lot of different ways, so it it's it makes sense and it's acceptable when they take their own creative liberties and do different things with the story. So I don't know much about Guardians of the Galaxy, but if they try to do that um, with this game, is that going to be a huge issue for the the universe they have built and everything like that? You know, that's that's the only concern well, I guess I'd have. But my biggest idea is the timing of this. This might be an interstitial between Guardians and Guardians Two. It might be like here's what the gang was up to between the two movies. You know, that's so yeah, they're gonna to, uh, exercise them. Yeah, they're gonna have to have thought that out really well and how that fits in with because that's that's kind of the issue. Like video game uh, movies, rather <laughs> video games about movies and. Uh, superheroes kind of have i feel like are, are you gonna have like this tell the exact same same plot as the movie and play through it or how you know what i mean there's always yeah. that weird well, kind of how do you deal here's with the interesting two thing too so later on in this article it talks about how um marvel plans to release a game with telltale in 2017 and guardians of the galaxy 2 comes out in may so maybe this comes out if this comes out beat for beat uh like you know january to may leading up to because uh, that's one a month and it's five episodes you'd assume if that's like beat for beat leading up to the the release of the movie and you can play the whole game before the movie comes out that same month that'd be huge you know the marketing buildup for that would be excellent and uh you know telltale already has a track record and it's all about telltale games i think are like uh ice cream right everybody loves ice cream but there's definitely certain flavors of ice cream that people love more than other flavors. So it's like if you want people to get into ice cream, give them the one they want they like most, right? If you go to like a new like ice cream shop, it's like, oh yeah, you love Rocky Road, try their Rocky Road ice cream and then try everything else, right? So I think Telltale is definitely one of those things like the more IP they get into, the better off they are because once people try – I'm a huge Batman fan, never played a Telltale game. I'm going to play their Batman game. Oh, I really like this. Their storytelling's cool. You know what? I also like Borderlands. So I'm going to try out Tales of the Borderlands. So I never thought I'd play that, you know? So I think Telltale, they – whether their games work 100% properly or not, they always are really good at storytelling. And to me, that's super important. So I kind of, you know, don't worry about all that stuff or, oh, QTs aren't gameplay. I'm I'm excited for this Guardians game, so we'll see. And it's a shame you haven't seen the movie yet because it's fantastic. Um, <laughs> I've been meaning to. I really have, and it just hasn't – It's a really good time. It's not like a lot of the other Marvel movies where – some of them are playful, but a lot of them, it's there's there's a story, there's a like a certain serious tone, right? Guardians is just like here are these characters you never heard of. It's you're just gonna have a good time. The soundtrack's amazing. It's so is it's it solid? Would it be a little easier to to watch like having not watched 
the vast majority of Marvel movies? Like, is it better as standalone than, say, like Civil War, where if I were to watch that, I'd have a real lack of understanding yeah. of some stuff, even yeah, if it's so, still a good movie. But yeah, so Civil War definitely you get more out of it from watching the movies that uh, preceded it. Uh, Guardians mm-hmm. is just literally standalone, like Ant Man. You don't have to watch any of the other movies. Okay. More so, more so than Ant Man, I would think too. It's literally not tied to anything else. Um, towards the end of the movie, they're like hint, hint, nod, nod, but the whole movie is self-contained. You, you'll really like it. It's a solid movie. Um, yeah, it's one of my favorite Marvel movies by far. Uh, so the next story here, Remedy Entertainment uh, basically tweeted out a short video, 20-second video that we watched, and it says coming soon. And uh, Sam Lake, uh, the the creative director over at Remedy, basically did this really cheesy video that we saw, and he's uh, like, you know, new new game, new new info coming soon. Um, nothing too crazy if you're not familiar with Remedy Entertainment. They're the guys who did Quantum Break, Max Payne, Alan Wake, which Dom and I both love. And, um, yeah, so there's nothing really to this story. Um, we're going to get more info. Maybe that's a Game Awards. Maybe it's sooner. Um, but the weirdest thing to me was at the end, Dom. We talked about this. That sound effect. It didn't sound like something from Alan Wake or Quantum Break or Max Payne. I, this might be a new IP, something more, like, family-friendly or something. It's weird, right? It doesn't totally it doesn't fit everything else they've done. Uh, well, first off, I'm I'm really irritated with all the trailers for trailers for games that yeah. we're getting yeah. and events, and trailers to you know trailers to advertise the reveal event of a release date for a game. Like, <laughs> it's just getting ridiculous in my head. But but yeah, you're right. That that noise at the end was a little odd, and yeah, it didn't sound like anything they put out <clears throat> in recent history. So. Yeah, like you said, Alan Wake, I absolutely loved. Obviously, didn't play Quantum Break, but curious now. Um, so as much as I say I was irritated with their marketing strategy, it's got my attention, I guess. So Exactly. And, I mean, this is ha- having to do with games getting as big as they are. They're bigger than movies to some extent. And I have a real issue. We've talked about this before with movies of, like, here's a, here's a, here's a teaser that's a minute and a half long. That's not a teaser. That's a trailer, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, but I'm excited. It, the the video's kind of kind of cringy uh, a little bit, but it's in a playful nature. I'm just excited to see what this is because, I, I so I haven't finished Quantum Break. I need to get to that. If it's Quantum Break two, that gives me more incentive to play the first Quantum Break and actually finish it. If it's Alan Wake two, that gets me super excited. And if it's something Max Payne, I've never been into Max Payne, but as far as Remedies progressed, I'm interested in that either way, right? Like. Their games are beautiful. That's definitely one thing. Whether you like the game or not, they're definitely beautiful and they have a tone to them. So I'm excited to see what happens. We'll see. Um, the next news here, this is probably heartbreaking to Dom when he heard this. Uh, probably made him shed a single tear. This comes away with GameSpot. Uh, Oscar Deus over at GameSpot writes, Zelda Breath of the Wild will miss Nintendo Switch's launch. And this is a report. Um, so L- The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild will miss the Nintendo Switch's March launch, according to one report. Emily Rogers, a blogger who has been proven correct on Nintendo Switch rumors in the past, the first uh, first reported the news from multiple sources while Eurogamer says it has also heard the much-anticipated Zelda title will not be available come the Switch's launch. Uh, the report details Breath of the Wild's development, claiming localization for the game was becoming more work than anyone had anticipated. Rogers says her sources insist that localization for Breath of the Wild excuse me, might not be finished until the end of December. After localization is complete, this game will require between at least four to six months of testing. Um, if December? True, this this December? Yeah, this December. Uh, okay. If true, this will place the game's release around mid-2017, which, unless the Switch is also delayed, would come after the console is in the hands of the public. Nintendo's most recent estimate for Breath of the Wild's launch was simply 2017, while the Switch is confirmed to be coming out in March. Many had assumed the Zelda title would release alongside the new console as it has previously been delayed multiple times and was confirmed to be releasing simultaneously on Wii U and NX, uh, later to be revealed to Switch. Uh, fuel was added to the fire when Link Amiibo were rumored to be launching March 4th. It remains to be seen whether Breath of the Wild's simultaneously Wii U Switch launch will also be affected or even if the rumor is true at all. GameSpot has contacted Nintendo for comment. We'll update if we hear more. This story hasn't been updated. Um, so the big thing here to me, I'm not a huge Zelda guy, but I'm really thinking about getting the Switch if they don't completely screw up the messaging come January 12th. Um, this doesn't bother me that much, but this is coming from a guy who's not a diehard Zelda guy. And the reason I say that is I believe that if this isn't a launch title, Mario is. I think one of these games has to be a launch title for Switch, right? Um 
Zelda doesn't sell the same that Mario does, but they definitely are great bundles for people, right? And if one yep. isn't the launch title, the other one certainly needs to be. And personally, if that if that Mario game is Sunshine uh, Sunshine Two or Galaxy Three or just sixty four two, whatever that is, that I'm I'm super excited for that game more than anything. So if this isn't a launch title in my mind, I'm like, well, that means the Mario game has to be a launch title, and I'm super stoked about that. That being said, I think the biggest issue here, whether you're a Zelda fan or not, I think this is more so a a shock and a hit to Wii U players who maybe not get might not get the Switch right away, but might have to suffer the delay anyways. You know, which sucks. So, and if if localization was truly the bottleneck here or what's causing the delay, then that wouldn't you know that wouldn't affect b- both systems uh, differently, right? Like they'd have they have to localize it the same exact way for both systems. Yep. Am I if I'm thinking of this correctly? So it'd be and we'll never know the answer to this question, but. It's in, it would be interesting to find out um, how much the NX played a role in the, all the delays uh, well, for the Wii U version of this game. The interesting thing, too, is I don't know if they put their handhelds in more markets than their console. So if there's more markets, that means there's a lot more localization, you know. So this is super hampered by the Switch because it is a handheld console hybrid. So I'd assume you'd have to localize it for more places than the Wii U. And that's just total conjecture. I have no idea. But... uh. Yeah, what do you do? You think if if Zelda isn't at launch, are you okay with that? Are you okay with it being a later game down the line if Mario is a launch title and this is just kind of like an interstitial for the year? I mean, no, I'm not okay. With it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for this game for so long. Yeah. I've been not buying a Wii U in anticipation of this game, and then all the Switch stuff happens. I'm like, well, I might as well wait for that. And now it's delayed again. And I, I mean, I'm gonna buy it no matter what. Yeah. So. I, but it doesn't mean it's okay. Uh, yeah, it's a bummer. It is a bummer. Um, this is another issue of like waiting so long to do your second announcement. Is like all of these rumors are gonna start flooding out, and you're not controlling your message again, Nintendo. Like we love the Switch, but all of this, all of this room here for people to start. And Emily Rogers is pretty spot on with her rumors. Like she's she's batting a positive percentage. Um, not everything she says is correct, but a pretty substantial amount. So we'll see. Uh, hopefully, to for Dom, it's not true. Uh, hopefully, she's completely wrong. Uh, the next story here comes up with Polygon. Uh, sorry to Jordan, um, but Allegro Frank writes, Persona 5 delayed until April. Rest in peace, Valentine's Day. So, everyone was expecting Persona 5 in the United States come Valentine's Day of 2017, but... Allegro Frank writes, Persona 5 won't launch until April 4th, Atlas announced Wednesday. The publisher revealed the delay during a live stream, which also saw the debut of the first English-language gameplay of the upcoming role-playing game. Originally set for February 14, 2017 release, Persona 5 won't make it into PlayStation 3 or PlayStation 4 stateside for another several weeks. Side note, this game's coming out on PS3? That's weird. Uh, th- yeah. <laughs> that's in spite well- it's um because PS3s are still really big in Japan. That's true. Like a lot of people that's still true. haven't turned on, and that's the biggest market for this game. So That's true. That's in spite yeah. of the fact that Japanese fans have had their hands on the game since mid-September. To compensate for the later release date, Atlas will receive Japanese studio... Lo- Atlas will receive Japanese studio alongside the international release. Atlas will receive Japanese... Oh, Japanese audio alongside the international release. I was kept reading studio, and I was like, that sentence doesn't make sense. It will be available as free downloadable content according to a post on the PlayStation blog. The English language version was originally going to launch without Japanese vocal options, so this alteration should appease some otherwise disappointed fans. Alice is also giving away a free Persona uh, 5 PS4 theme for the next 24 hours, which is irrelevant to the people listening because this is going to be way after the fact. Um, Yeah, so you're playing through Persona 4 Golden here and there. Uh, Jordan loves the Persona games. I, I'm i not a Persona fan, but say I was, I don't think... Obviously, it sucks when a game you want to play is delayed. That's besides the point, right? That's not a talking point, really. I don't think anymore. If you're excited for a game that gets delayed, it sucks, right? But I think it's good to get that game out of that early 20s, that Q1 2017, you know? It's not too far out, but like it was kind of packed there with a lot of things, you know? You have Gravity Rush 2, and you have Horizon, and you have... Resident Evil and all these other games, it's fine. Persona 5 doesn't need to get eaten alive by a lot of other games and give it its moment to shine, I think, personally. Um, what do you think, Tom, about this delay? Yeah, you're probably right. Like it's, It might be a better time for it to come out. And Ultimately, I, I think the the people that are like most into these games 
are used to dealing with delays and (laughs) things coming out in Japan months earlier and that kind of stuff. Not that that makes it okay or any better, but... Yeah, and this is this is a different situation too because this isn't a global release. This is one market already has it, and they've had it for a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. That's what happens with some JRPGs. Is you're you're not the 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 first market to get it. So you kind of have to wait and hope that it comes out in a decent amount of time. It's the same thing with anime. You have to wait like a year and a half. The the uh, the English subs and dubs are barely coming out for uh, Dragon Ball uh, Super now. Barely, and that show's already been on in Japan for like a year and a half, so it's kind of something you have to deal with. Uh, the next story here, actually, that's not the next story. We're actually done with the stories, um, so we're actually going to be hopping into the topics. Uh, the first topic is going to be dealing with piracy, so Dom, take it away. So, uh, one story we left out earlier was that uh, apparently a couple people pirated Pokemon Sun and Moon, which, I, I mean... First, my first reaction to that is, how in the heck do you do that on a 3DS? Bravo, I guess. Yeah, um, where there's a will, but there's they were, Yeah, they were subsequently banned uh, from online play. Of course, they can still play that online or offline uh, without Nintendo being able to do anything about it. But besides the impressive nature of that, that specific pirate, I guess I just want to like kind of get into the, the nitty-gritty of the morality of pirating. So... You brought up a stat that I believe it was 35% of PC gamers pirate games. Was that correct? Yeah, it's out of uh, they they. It was a survey that they did. Uh, the PC gamer did, and out of 50,000 PC gamers, 35% of them um, pirate games. So. And and because this is a voluntary survey, you have to assume <clears throat> that a lot of people weren't admitting that they've done it. You know, in the past or recently, or just not admitting it at all, and they went and did it the next day. Yeah. Um, there's that bias in those kind of surveys, so it might even be higher than that. Um, which I absolutely believe it because uh, it's it's especially on PC, it's so easy. Um, and it. So I guess the main thing I want to get across is it is stealing, of course, but it is different than stealing a physical product. It's not as bad, simply because when you pirate a game, you're not taking away inventory from the company that has value, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's not a physical piece of something that you're stealing. Now, I guess if it was a, a, if in the old, if you like stole a game, you know, a disc, then yeah, you're stealing the physical cost of that disc, which is nothing, but the real thing you're stealing is the software. So it is different than stealing a physical thing that they miss in their inventory and that's gone. Whereas this doesn't hurt their bottom line uh, in the same way. So now, still stealing, but I think there's a difference. Um, and it's it's just worth pointing out. That doesn't really, I mean, it's not, it doesn't really mean anything what I just said. I just like, it's just one <laughs> yeah. of those kind of things I thought through one day. Like it just is a, different. Like it's not as bad. Thought. Yeah, just a shower thought. Right. Yeah. And and then the other thing to bring up too is uh and Game of Thrones went through this where HBO, like, they don't care. They they love that Game of Thrones is the most pirated show. So that shows I mean, a lot of those people pretty much weren't gonna watch the show anyway. So they might as well get the free they're getting still getting marketing and word of mouth with all those pirates. Of course they they would never encourage people to pirate it. They encourage people to go sign up for their service but a lot of the especially with these games i think a lot of these people would not have bought the game anyway so when you look at that then these companies really aren't missing any sales and you're really not again it's still literally stealing because we have you know ips ip laws and you can't stealing an idea is the same as stealing a thing uh legally <clears throat> and then of course that's the third dimension is there's pretty much no legal ramifications for doing this at all, um, which is why it's so prevalent. So just a couple of thoughts that have run through my head before I just wanted to get out. I mean, what, what's your take on all of it? Well, so the big thing too, actually, you're more likely to be able to play a game that you stole physically for a lot longer than if you, you know, without saying if you go to jail or something. But if you steal a digital game, a lot of times – um, you get punished, you get banned, they yeah. deny access. Like, the more always online type stuff we have going on. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a lot short lived, a lot more short lived now when you when you pirate a game. The other thing too is pirating doesn't hurt huge companies. I'm not saying it's right, but it doesn't hurt huge companies. What it does hurt are the smaller indie studios that put out this game 
and people are just pirating it because they don't have these millions of dollars to back them up or these marketing teams that it doesn't matter if people are pirating, people still pay. It's a lot different when you're working with a smaller market, you know. Kind of going with the like the Game of Thrones thing, a huge thing for Game of Thrones too, and the reason that they they didn't like pirating necessarily, but it wasn't a huge thing to them is like for every person that goes and watches a pirated version of that show and they tell their friends, you need to go watch it. A lot of people are hesitant to, to pirate stuff or don't want to do it or don't have the access to it, and they're like, I'll pay fifteen bucks a month for HBO now. That seems a lot less stressful than pirating and possibly you know all of this stuff. I think so. that's. HBO now is so is so relatively new though. So previously, and if you didn't have cable, you'd have to get a cable subscription yep. for eighty hundred bucks a month, and then add on your twenty dollar HBO subscription, and then you have to watch it when it's actually playing live. And you know well, what I mean? At I think the- they were smart in have, in uh, uh, building HBO now, and because that definitely some of those piraters definitely came over hint hint not well, me, but yeah. that's the thing is that I think the success of True Detective season one. Uh, and like Game of Thrones and stuff kind of led to this of them needing to be like we need a subscription based online service because as good as our shows are people aren't going to pay people don't pay for cable anymore you know Um, but actually going back to like the actual pirating talk of like this really hurts smaller studios it doesn't hurt big guys and I'm not saying you should you know pirate from one studio and not pirate from the other but I think people who pirate games should understand who they're pirating and like you know is it really that tough to pay ten bucks for a game for these studio that's gonna sell maybe you know three thousand copies of their game? Whereas if like you pirate a game from like a Ubisoft or an EA, they'll notice that people are pirating, but it's not gonna be so detrimental to their bottom line, you know. So I think I've never pirated a game before. I've used emulators for really old Nintendo games, which yeah, is still pseudo pirating, I guess. Oh. Third, fourth dimension, I'm glad you brought that up. So a lot of people seem to be under the impression that if you own a physical copy of a game, then you're legally entitled to download a ROM for an emulator. That's wrong. This is not the case. That's still you, stealing. When you That's buy still that pirating. game, you own the license for that disc that you bought. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people version be, of that game. A lot of people justify it by saying, well, you know, I own all those games and cartridges. They're, you know, packed in my basement or on my shelf or whatever. It's like, well, that's still... I mean, justify it however you want yourself. That's that's on you, but that's still technically stealing. Yeah, and I've actually, I've on on the top of this, like thirty five percent of people pirate. I've also heard another, um, like survey that was, that basically talked about how like a lot of people who pirate are usually on the younger side and don't have a lot of expendable income, and a yeah. fair amount of them, as they get older and they have more expendable income, they tend to kind of buy more than they normally would to kind of make up for that. It's kind of like a guilt trip thing, um, of like. I see it. Yeah, so I think you know people are inherently good for the most part, and I think that a lot of times people pirate stuff. A lot of people pirate stuff because they're a holes. That's pretty much how it is. But I think a lot of people do. It's like I want I want to play this game with this company, and I just really can't afford it. But I love the game so much. Now, is it right that you're parodying their game? No, I mean there is a, a passion there and stuff like that. But you know maybe find a hustle and buy the game legitimately. But I think pirating is a hundred percent illegal. Um, but there is yeah, some oh, gray yeah. areas to the morality of it. I think. The act itself is 100% illegal, but the morality yep. and the decision-making of doing it, I think there's a lot of gray area there, and it's very circumstantial. And I think, you know, whether you want to pirate something or not, it's your prerogative. Just before you do so, think about everything it'll affect. And if you're okay with that, then go ahead and do that. And obviously, that's hard for people. They're not thinking about anything except just pirating the game. But I think also people have to realize that a lot of emulators, I think every emulator is considered illegal too, and it's pirating. But just because you used to own an uh, NES back in you know, the early 90s and you don't anymore and you bought that game once doesn't mean you can just download it willy-nilly now and this counts. It's not how it works. Right. So, yeah, I've never pirated a game and that's not me trying to get on a high horse. I just, I didn't own a personal computer for the longest time and the only thing I ever pirated was music but I think everybody did that. Um, I never went yeah. to the extent to pirate games though. Just wasn't my LimeWire? Yeah. Remember that jam? And that thing destroyed your computer. Um yeah, I just never – I never got around to I've, – I've messed with emulators, but straight up pirating games, I never did that. Um, just wasn't my thing. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Do you have anything else to say about piracy? I thought it was a cool topic. I, it's something that I think a lot of people don't really think about when they think about uh, video games and stuff. So, Yeah, and then because it's it used to be possible on consoles. I think PlayStation 1 and 2, you could Oh, yeah, it was somehow, really bad. Yeah, the way you put the disc some, in and you – yeah, it was really bad. Something bizarre where you could, you know, figure that out. 
but nowadays on console you really can't as far as i know and honestly that's Um, one of the right now that's one of the biggest benefits to being a console exclusive game is you the the numbers are super minimal for pirating on consoles like probably to the point of like less than one percent if that um as opposed to pc where it's like i think those percentages jump up you know so so let's finish off with a cool little uh, uh, story that I just thought I, – I don't know how this has never come up before. Something from my past. Um, I used to have a babysitter when I was young. Um, me and my brother actually. We had to be babysat until we were older than most kids because we fought each other so much. But um, point being our babysitter brought over his OG Xbox, the original Xbox. And at the time we only had I think a PlayStation 2. So we were in that era and his – original xbox was modded so that he could download games from a Mm. disc and basically burn them to uh not burn but whatever the terminology is to his console to the so it was really like forward thinking in that yeah he was storing games on it on a drive in the console which no one that wasn't even a thing at the time but the way he did that was by renting the games burning them and then returning it so he was getting all these games for three four bucks um and the caveat was he couldn't he knew he could never plug his xbox in online because they would have been able to see that and they would have shut his shit down apparently really quick but just thought it was interesting i can't believe i never thought of this before just a cool little thing that used to be possible i guess um before we hop off in the same article we're going off and by the way this was a study done a couple of months ago in august this kind of goes into our point of the younger and um not as much expendable income out of the survey 33 out of the fifty thousand. Uh, PC gamers were that pirated were between the ages of 11 and 25. Okay, the other statistic here: out of the 50,000 gamer, yeah, out of the 50,000 gamers, uh, 22,000 of them uh, had an income of less than $10,000. It's almost half. It's not even like that's like not even an income. Yeah, Sorry. exactly. Um, that's unfortunate, but that's the reality of the situation, and. Um, looking at this, uh, the number one place for piracy out of the survey was the United States with 34%, uh, and then the UK with 13%, and Canada, obviously all Western, you know, because we have access to things a lot of other countries don't, so it's not surprising. Um, I would think it would be one of those countries where the price of games are, like, hyperinflated. And, yeah, true. Here's the last thing I want to leave it on, I'll leave this topic on. On, on a survey that they did in the same survey, survey with the surveyception, uh, they asked, do you think it's wrong to pirate games? What do you think the percentage is, Dom, of people that said, yes, it's wrong to pirate games? I, I bet it's pretty high, 70%. 35%. I'll read you so the rest. I was <laughs> so reverse. 35% say yes. 20% say no. 21% uh, say yes, but I do it anyway. They think it's wrong, but okay, they do it anyway. So that's- that's a yes to me yeah. then. If you and another twenty two percent say it depends on who made the game. <laughs> oh man, favorite South Park episode of all time, uh, where they make fun of uh, all the of Britney Spears and the other celebrities who, you know, Britney had to downgrade her private jet from a, a six to a five or whatever because so many people are pirating her music and it was just That's funny. trying to just make fun of the idea of yep, some some of these people didn't need your money but it's still stealing. So, but that goes to your point of it. it does hurt the smaller studios more than the big ones. So, alrighty, there's something there. Yeah, exactly. The second topic. Anytime I get a chance to talk about Mass Effect, I'm going to do it. We have a a, a, a what am I going to say? An info dump of all of the information that came out on N7 Day through Game Informer, through the trailer, through all of that stuff. Um, there's going to be some spoilery stuff, but not too, anything crazy. I don't want to spoil the game for myself, so I'm not going to read anything that's too spoilery. But if you want zero information, then you know, tune out now. Turn turn back in uh, to the podcast in about ten minutes or so after we get through all of this info dump. Um, but there's, like I said, there's nothing too crazy spoilery. But everyone has their own kind of ideas of what's a spoiler and what isn't. So we're gonna go through this. Um, first off, the non-plot details, and this comes by way of a Reddit post over at the official uh, Mass Effect Reddit. Um, by redditor rise cream raise cream whatever that is uh, so non-plot details uh, Bioware is having an n7 day sale with limitation that's irrelevant um, we already talked about mass effect coming to backwards compatibility um, they showed off the three editions of the game sixty dollars seventy dollars hundred dollars I definitely think the seventy dollars is the sweet point for me personally because sixty dollars baseline game seventy dollars comes with 
a cool monkey pet that you're going to have on your ship, which I think is cool. It's a novelty item for 10 more bucks. The Deluxe Edition is a bunch of multiplayer add-on stuff, which I'm personally not into. Yeah. I like the Mass Effect multiplayer, but I'm not into the special editions of games where you it's get weird. all this multiplayer stuff. Yeah. Usually that's the reverse, where the the $70, $80 version just gets you some DLC nonsense, and then the $100 version gets you some kind of physical statue or whatever. But Yeah. Um, there's No, there's like a $250 version, I think, that comes with like a remote control uh, thing. Um, the what, new Mako, whatever what it's game? called. What game was it that had like a fifty thousand dollar version, and it like came with an island or something? Something just I don't remember. They were clearly just doing it to get a story written about them. But. Uh, so uh, real quick here, uh, only PlayStation and Xbox physical copies are available for purchase. Uh, no info on PC hard copies, um, but you can purchase the collector's edition case or bundles with Nomad replica. Nomad being the new um, Mako, the new um, ground vehicle. Um, Let's see here. It's rated M for mature. Yada yada yada. Um, trying, I'm just going through here. Uh, Tom Taylorson is a voice actor for the male writer. Uh, Frida Wolf is a voice actress for a female writer. So if you're into voice actors, um, the big game reveal will happen December 1st at the Game Awards. Uh, uh, let's see here. Um, loyalty missions will return. This is a huge thing to me. Dom, you know that Mass Effect 2 is my favorite out of the three. Loyalty missions are some of the best thing about that game. Um, they yep. really get you closer to those characters. Um, it's it's awesome. I'm super excited for that. Um, what else here? You can sign up for early access to multiplayer the multiplayer beta for Mass Effect if you're interested in that. Um, then there's also more info about the voice cast. Some plot details. So if you want to tune out, I'm going to go through these really quick, about a minute and a half if you want to skip ahead. Nothing too spoilery, like I said. Um, Turians are confirmed for the game, but they will not say anything about the Quarians. So if you remember Turians, that's, uh, that's uh, what's his name? Garrus? And the Quarians are uh, Tally and those those ones with the masks. Um, so they, they haven't said anything of whether they're in the game or not. Uh, the new Mako is called the Nomad, which I previously stated. Um, the arcs that send you to Andromeda were launched in 2185, two years after the events of Eden Prime. Um, N7 operative Alex Ryder, the father of the character you're going to be playing as, whether that's female or male, is the human pathfinder. He is in his 50s and was a member of the task force... Um, that actually went through the relay for the first time on Pluto, which is a really cool story hint. And they've also talked about there being DLC with him, uh, the dad, that is. Uh, there will be new alien species on the teams, so not only antagonists, but uh, protagonists as well. Um, the default names for the two rider kids are Scott and Sarah. Um, I don't know if they're not, those are nods at anything, like Ridley Scott and... Uh, isn't the main character the main girl from Terminator, Sarah Connor, right? Those might be nods at that. I don't know. John Ridley Scott Connor. Sarah Connor. Yeah, it's John and Sarah Connor, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, sex with, with people is confirmed. It's a Bioware game. It's not surprising. Gay and alien <laughs> romances are confirmed. Once again, it's a Bioware game. Not surprising. Um, and there's a lot more stuff here, but there's nothing too crazy. Uh, if you uh, There's um, just stuff talking about the Asari and other characters that are going to be in the game. The Ket are the main villain. So the biggest, the biggest thing I want to talk about here real quick is they did a kind of an editorial on the the main antagonists of the game, which are the Ket. And the interesting thing when these when the, the developers are talking about is, so in the original Mass Effect trilogy, they were very tech-based. They were very, um, like, mechanics and tech-based, and uh, you see that in their armor and all, of, all of the things happening with the Citadel and all that stuff. They were saying that in Andromeda, they wanted it to be more organic, that a lot of the alien species rely on organic-natured um, like architecture and armor and stuff like that. So the Ket, who are the main antagonist, have bonish armor. It looks very primitive. Uh, it looks powerful, but it's very primitive-looking. It's bones. They look like cavemen, kind of, but not really. Um, so I like that they're doing a different approach to how some of the aliens are. You know, this is kind of a newer galaxy, so they're still more primitive. It's just uh, they're more organic the way they want to look and stuff like that. Um, I'm super excited. I, I'm, I'm super stoked for the gameplay trailer. Don't get me wrong. There was gameplay in the trailer that released on N7 Day, but uh, I just want to play this game already. Like, I don't need anything else. I'm cool with this information. So what, what about you? Are you good with all this information? You just want to get to the game? Yeah, I mean, this is all cool and good, and it's interesting, but yeah, I, like, I just want to play the game. Uh, it's been a while uh, since I've played any of these. I'm going to have to like watch one of those summary YouTube videos, uh, give me the plot from the first three games again, because I'm struggling to remember everything that even happened. Well, that's another um, thing, too, is we can do like a that's a topic we can do in the future, is like a recap of Mass Effect when, we, when uh, that's a good idea. gone through and played it. Um, yeah. 
So the interesting thing here, this is one of the best lines I think from this whole info dump is, um, so basically Mass Effect Andromeda takes the Mako from Mass Effect 1, which people loved or hated, but I thought it was a cool mechanic. Loyalty missions from Mass Effect 2, which I argue is the best part about Mass Effect 2. And multiplayer from Mass Effect 3, which I think was the biggest innovation in the Mass Effect franchise because there wasn't much else you could do because those games are so expansive, right? So adding in multiplayer was really cool too. So it seems like they're taking some of the most innovative parts from each game and adding that into one, which I'm super excited for. Um, like I said, there's going to be more information coming out for the Game Awards. There's going to be a gameplay trailer. I'm already excited for this game. I am, I'm not worried that the game's going to be good or bad. I am worried that the game's not going to come out in the spring and it's going to be a fall game. But I'm okay with that, too. Um, I mean, I'm not okay with that, like you said, with Breath of the Wild. Yeah. But I'll deal with it. Um, and I think that's why they're playing so close to the vest what the actual release date is. Because they've seen they're how sure. bad that's turned with people delaying and delaying, right? So, we'll Good see. Good on them for that, though. Yeah. I, I, I'm excited for them not showing... Well, I'm not excited, but I am I respect their decisions. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. You can you can bang aliens if you want to in Mass Effect Andromeda. Breaking news. Uh <laughs> So the last topic here, we're going to be talking about the Game Awards. Like we just stated, there's going to be a Mass Effect trailer there. But we want to talk about the nominees. We're not going to go into every category. We might just go into it really quickly. But we're going to work from the bottom uh, up, Dom. So you have the, the, you have the article in front of you. And we're just going to talk about it real quick. You can look at the list and we can give our opinions if you want to give an opinion on the specific category. We're not going to go through every nominee only for the most important categories. But we will mention every category. Uh, Every category, but we won't go in depth on all of them. Starting at the bottom, uh, best esports game. Uh, to me, it's probably going to go to League. Uh, it's either going to go to League or Dota. Uh, Counter Strike's cool. Overwatch, I love Overwatch. You guys have heard me say that, but um, League always dominates, and Dota 2 always dominates. Um, if the Overwatch League had launched this year, then maybe they had a chance, but I really think it's a League or Dota thing. You're not too much into esports, so I doubt you have anything to say, Dom. Yeah. Um, We're best, Splatoon, damn it. Uh, best esports team. <laughs> I don't follow the league, so the only team I know is Cloud9, so there's that. Hopefully they win. Uh, best esports player, I don't know any of these players, so we'll move on from that. <laughs> I'll say... There is one common thing from a lot of their names, though. Just... They're Korean, because Koreans dominate yeah. esports. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, I mean, their national sport was StarCraft. That's insane to me. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. God bless them. Uh, best fan creation. So these are fan-created um, mods or fan films or stuff like that. Um, I I know three of them. I don't know one of them. So Project A2MR, I don't know what that is or what that's from. Pokemon Uranium was a fan-made Pokemon game that I actually downloaded. I still have, but they made them remove it. It looked really interesting. A lot of people loved it. Uh, Brutal Doom 64 and End Roll, the Shards of Order, which I think is going to win. Have you seen this? This is the mod for Skyrim. It basically turns Skyrim into a whole other game. It turns it into Elder Scrolls. Oh, uh, yeah. Six. Yeah. 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 Um, that's that's I assume that's gonna win. It's gonna be that or Pokemon Uranium. But with Switch being so close, I'm pretty sure Nintendo's like, please don't give it to a game that's not Sun and Moon. Please don't give an award to a game that's not Sun and Moon. So, um, trendy gamer. Uh, so I'm familiar with uh, three of these people. Uh, Angry Joe Show. I I know who he is, but I I'm not a supporter or follower or anything. Um, Have you seen any of his videos? Yeah, he's definitely not my type of personality. I'll just. Put it that. <laughs> um, Boogie, He's a lover hate. Exactly. Uh, Boogie is awesome. Everyone loves Boogie. Daniel Dwyer is who my personal vote is for just because of no clip, and I think the direction he's taking video game documentaries is bar none to anything else. Yeah, uh, Jack I'm Septic- with you. Yeah, Jacksepticeye, guy who's a personality on YouTube. He always has like different colored hair. He seems like a really nice guy. Um, he has a fan base to win. He has millions of followers. He, I think he was a Minecraft uh, YouTuber, which – he has millions of followers just off of that. And Lyric is a Twitch streamer that I think he's known for not having a webcam, which is weird because he's so successful and he doesn't even show his face, which is hard for Twitch. Um, you know, it's like making YouTube videos and never showing your face either, but I guess you can do that with games. But it's just weird for Twitch where it's so interactive and you're used to seeing people with the green screens behind them and stuff, you know. Um, so, yeah, my personal vote and Dom's, I think, too, our controlled interest vote is for Daniel Dwyer. So hopefully he wins. Um now, we're getting into the nitty-gritty here. We can go through these real quick. Uh, most anticipated game, God of War, Horizon Zero Dawn, Mass Effect Andromeda, Red Dead Redemption 2, and Breath of the Wild. My personal pick is Andromeda. Right. Dom's personal pick is Breath of the Wild. I think the game that's going to win is either going to uh, probably Red Dead 2. It's probably going to be Red Dead 2, um, which is funny because 
Um, only three of these five games uh, are actually slated for next. Oh no. Yeah, three of them, four of them are slated for next year. I don't know why God of War is on this list. They never said it was 2017. Well, the, the the title isn't most anticipated game of 2017. It's just most anticipated game. So Yeah, but you could put... You, you could, could put Death Stranding on there. <laughs> exactly. And it would still weird. semantically be correct. But what do you think is going to win? Do you think it's going to be Red Dead 2? Because I would want Andromeda to win, but I, I think it's going to be Red Dead 2. Just the fervor yeah. around that. Either one. It's hard to say. One of them. Yeah. Um, probably Red Dead, but it's farther away, so it's hard to say. I don't know. I think the lowest chance is Horizon Zero Dawn. Not that that game's not anticipated, but it's the least known property out of all of these. God of War is huge. Mass Effect's huge. Red Dead's huge. Zelda's huge. You know, it's the new. Yeah, but that also is that's part of the a huge part of the appeal. That's true. I think God of War is a bigger stretch because first of all, like you mentioned, who knows when the hell we're even gonna get (laughs) it? We haven't really seen anything. Yeah, but yeah. Um, best multiplayer, uh, Battlefield 1, Gears 4, Overcooked, Overwatch, Titanfall 2, Rainbow Six Siege. It's, this is Overwatch's. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. It's nice that Overcooked's in there. Um, it's nice that Battlefield's in there and Gears and Titanfall 2. Um, weird that Call of Duty is in this list. It's really weird. Um, but I guess people wow. really don't like the, I was telling you, Infinite Warfare, and you can't put Modern Warfare on here because it's not a new game, technically. Um, you know what? You're right because a lot of people love Infinite Warfare's campaign, but the, I haven't heard anything near the same about the multiplayer. So this makes sense. Yeah, it's it, it's Overwatch. It would be cute if Overcooked got it, but it's Overwatch's category. <laughs> um, best sports racing. Um, it's either going to be, I'm assuming, either FIFA or NBA 2K17. There's also MLB The Show, which is only on one platform, so I don't think that's going to win. Forza Horizon 3, the same problem. Um, Pro Evil Soccer is a solid game, but no one talks about it. 2K17 NBA is a solid game every year, and FIFA is too. Um, I'm pre- I, if I was a betting man, I'd put my money on NBA. That's me personally. Um, Probably. Uh, best family game, Dragon Quest Builders, Lego Star Wars, Pokemon Go, Ratchet & Clank, Skylanders. Um, I would like it to be Ratchet & Clank, but it's probably going to be the Lego Star Wars game, I'd assume. I, yeah, I was going to say. That's yeah. probably that one had the biggest impact. Uh, best strategy game. Looking at the list, Banner Saga 2 is a solid game. Total Damn. War, Warhammer, never played. XCOM 2, never played. Fire Emblem Fates is solid. It's, it's going to be Civ 6. I, you think about the people yeah. voting. Those other games are good, but it's Civ 6. Like, we rarely get new Civ games, you know? That's just, dude, that's just a damn good list, though. All of those are... Yeah. The only one I'm not familiar with is Total War. XCOM 2 is a solid game from what I've heard. Banner yeah. Saga 2, obviously. Fire Emblem Fates and Civ 6. That's a loaded category. Uh, best yeah. fighting game... Killer Instinct is still around. Props to Xbox uh, for for having them constantly be out. King of Fighters 14, Street Fighter 5, which has gotten mixed reviews, and Pokémon Tournament. I think it's going to be Pokémon Tournament. Um, it, it's it's going to be interesting whether the vote goes towards the competitive nature of it or the popularity nature of it. I think Pokémon Tournament's probably in the hearts of a lot of people. And like Street Fighter 5 would normally be, of course, it's going to win. But there's been a lot of mixed feelings about that game, the way the content was distributed. I don't know. Um, this is an interesting category, and I don't – Jordan's going to hate me, but I don't think that The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt Blood and Wine should be on here for technicality reasons. Yeah. It's a huge DLC, and it's as big or bigger than a lot of games, but it is a DLC. But uh, Dark Souls 3, Deus Ex Mankind Divided, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt Blood and Wine, World of Warcraft Legion, Xenoblade Chronicles X. World of Warcraft Legion, that's so out of my wheelhouse that I don't even like – people like yeah. it, but it's like I don't know how much World of Warcraft – stands up nowadays i would say it's going to be between it's probably going to be blood and wine just i think dark souls 3 deserves to be there but it's getting snuffed in a lot of things and it's just overlooked it's one of those yeah it's dark souls 3 it's like they don't really talk about it it's kind of like um what happens with uncharted 4 in a lot of talks of like it's just more uncharted and then people who actually know the Uncharted series are like, well, it's a better Uncharted. It does everything better than any of the other games. And people are like, oh, it's just another Uncharted. I think the same thing with Dark Souls 3. It's like, it's just another Dark Souls game, you know? So, sorry about my weird voice. Haters. There. Exactly. Um, best action-adventure game. Dishonored 2, Uncharted 4, Ratchet & Clank, Hyper Light Drifter, Hitman. It's Uncharted Now, 4. slow down. I just... Dishonored 2... I'm hoping that the people who made these... Uh, nominations have actually played that game since it's this list came out a couple days ago right so the game was hardly even out yet i don't know yeah Just um, out there. yeah it's going to be uncharted 4 though um yeah it's cool oh, yeah. hyper light drifters on that list hitman a lot of us including myself were skeptical about the episodic thing and it killed it for him so um 
Yeah, I think it's Uncharted Force category, obviously. Uh, best action game, Battlefield 1, Doom, Gears 4, Overwatch, Timefall 2. I think this is a close battle race between Overwatch and Gears of 4, in my opinion. Doom, solid, great game. One of the best games i played this year. Don't think it'll make that list. Battlefield 1, I don't think it'll get the votes it deserves, though the vignettes for the stories are cool. Timefall 2, like I said, it's a good game. I don't think it's a great game by any means in any category. Overwatch is huge. It's a well-made game. It's probably one of the most well-made games of the year. And Gears of War 4 is a solid game, too. So, What do you think? Do you think I'm it's between with, Overwatch and Gears? With, I think it's between Doom and Overwatch, and I'm going to go with Doom. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, Doom is a Doom, solid game. People loved it. Like people were clamoring and getting on their knees for that game. Yeah, and when I when I think Overwatch, I don't think best action game. I think best shooter. Yeah, when I think exactly. of Doom, I think of an even though it is a shooter, is a lot of action. Um, yeah. Best VR game. This is in- interesting. Dumper, which gets super high praise. I don't even know what the game looks like to be honest with you. Res Infinite, Job Simulator, which a lot of people love. Eve Valkyrie and Batman Arkham VR. It's probably going to go to Thumper or Batman just from the conjecture I've heard, but a lot of people love Job Simulator as well. Um, I haven't heard too much talk on Eve Valkyrie and Res Infinite from the general populace. I think more hardcore VR gamers like those games, but um, I don't know, you know. So, we'll see. We're not familiar with PSVR too much. Best Mobile Handheld. Obviously, this is coming out before Pokemon Sun and Moon, so it got snuffed. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, But it's Clash Royale. Fire Emblem Fates, Monster Hunter Generations, Pokemon Go, and Severed. Pokemon Go is big for like a month and a half. Uh, Monster Hunter Generations is always solid, but I don't think it has the the mind share. Clash Royale, please, no, not a cell phone game. Um, if I had to throw, I think I think Pokemon Go or Clash Royale is gonna win, but I want Fire Emblem Fates to win. I think I'm with you. Fire Emblem Fire Emblem should win. I mean, by our by our judgment as people who don't like phone games but yeah you're right i think it might be pokemon go yeah uh so best indie game uh the witness stardew valley inside hyperlight drifter and firewatch um obviously good list yeah right off the bat firewatch is not gonna win i i personally like that game but a lot of people didn't um so yeah i really don't think that's gonna win by any means um hyperlight drifter solid i think it's a really a race between inside stardew valley and the witness um i personally would pick inside but I never played Stardew Valley or The Witness, and those games are games I think I would love. I just never got around to playing. So, Yeah, I think Inside will take it. That's... I didn't play any of these games. so Stardew Valley, the reason people love that game is because Nintendo hasn't delivered a solid Harvest Moon in a while, and people wanted to play Harvest Moon. So Stardew Valley delivered. That's pretty much how it is. Uh, games for Impact, uh, the only game I, I recognize on this list is That Dragon Cancer. And that game is very powerful. It's about a per, a guy. He made this game himself, and his kid got cancer, and it's his journey through that. Very sad, very emotional, very well made game. Um, so, for me personally, I hope that game wins just because it has such emotional resonance. So I wasn't laughing at the no, I know the fact that you said a game was. I was uh, going up to the next category, and I laughed at some of the nominations. Uh, best performance: Alex Hernandez as Lincoln Clay in Mafia Three. Sissy Jones as Delilah in Firewatch, Emily Rose as Elena in Uncharted 4, Nolan North as Nathan Drake, Rich Summer as Henry, and Troy Baker as Sam Drake. Um, three, three Uncharted things. Exactly. That's what I was laughing at. Um, <laughs> I, I've, I didn't, I personally didn't play Uncharted, but I watched the whole playthrough of it, so I'm kind of familiar with the game. I love Troy Baker, but I don't think Sam was a big enough part in that game to. I yeah. want to put him as a best performance. Same thing with Elena. I think Nolan North's pretty much the only one from Uncharted 4 that has a standout performance. If I had to give it to somebody, though, I personally would give it to Sissy Jones, Delilah from Firewatch. I don't think Henry is that interesting of a character from Firewatch, um, but Delilah certainly was. Delilah is what captivated me in that game. Um, so, personally, I think it's between Sissy Jones and Nolan North. I really think it's either going to be between Nolan North and Alex Hernandez, though, because people did love his portrayal of Lincoln Clay. Whether the game ran or not, people loved his performance as, you know, a black protagonist in that time period. So so I've only played Uncharted out of the games on this list, so obviously I'm going to say Nolan North. But I will point out it's hard to separate uh, writing from a voice performance, yep. right? So you said that character for Delilah was interesting. Was that because of the way she was written, or was it her... You know what I mean? It's hard to separate that. Yeah, true. Uh, Best music sound design, Battlefield 1, Doom, Inside, Res, Infinite, and Thumper. Uh, As far as pure music and sound, Doom's soundtrack kicked ass. So I want Doom to win. That was awesome. Yeah. Personally, I want Doom to win. Man, when you first go down, like, that elevator onto Mars or whatever it was, and then 
you cock the shotgun right as like the yep. guitar riffs or something. I can't remember how it went exactly, but yeah, that the music was just like perfect for that game. Uh, best art direction: Uncharted 4, Overwatch, Inside, Firewatch, and Abzu. I I think it's going to be between Inside and Overwatch. Firewatch is a pretty game. Abzu is a pretty game. Uh, Inside is pretty, but I think it's next level, such detail oriented. Overwatch is is really magnificent too. It looks like a Pixar movie. Uh, Uncharted 4 is no snuff. It's a beautiful game, but I think with Not art art direction though. Yeah, with art direction, I don't think it hits that. I think Overwatch and Inside definitely. I think it's gonna be Inside personally. Um, this is usually the that game company category, but they don't have a game out this year, so um, Abizu is close. Um, best narrative. Firewatch, Inside, Mafia 3, Oxenfree, and Uncharted 4. I think this is a battle between Uncharted 4 and Inside. Firewatch's narrative was 100% hit or miss with people. Um, Mafia 3, people like the narrative, so it might, the game didn't work, but it's just best narrative. It's not best game, right? Um, Oxenfree, that was hit or miss for people. Uncharted 4, people love the narrative of that game. Um, a lot of complaints people have is with the gameplay, if they even have complaints. So um, Uncharted 4 is known for its narrative. I think it's going to be between Uncharted 4 and Inside, and I think Uncharted 4 is going to get the, the nudge just because of the ambiguous ending to Inside that is hit or miss with people. So you think it's Uncharted 4 that takes that, best narrative? Yeah. 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 Uh, best game Best game direction, Blizzard Entertainment, EA Dice, id Software, Naughty Dog, Respawn. I think it's Blizzard, personally, um, on this list. Uh, you can make a case for any of them, like id Software, Doom, EA Dice of Battlefield. I think EA and Respawn are definitely off the list, and it's between Naughty Dog, id Software, Blizzard Entertainment, and I'd have to give the nod to Blizzard personally. Um, but Naughty Dog might win too. Uh, id Software definitely isn't winning, I don't think, out of those three. So, Yeah, that, that one's tough. And finally, the big category here, um, Game of the Year. Doom, Inside, Overwatch, Titanfall 2, and Uncharted 4. Um, why, like, I love Titanfall 2, but why isn't Dark Souls on this list? Um, you even brought up Gears of War 4, um, but still, Dark Souls 3 is such a snuff, dude. I, even in art direction, I would put Dark Souls 3 in art direction over Uncharted 4. Not is it, it in any of these categories? Man? It was in one. It was in one. It was in, uh, best RPG. RPG. Yeah. And it's hardly an RPG. Yeah. It got snuffed so bad, but whatever. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> Uh, get Blasphemy. Good. Get man. good, Game Awards. Um, yeah. I think this is a three-way battle between Inside Overwatch and Uncharted 4. It's hard, personally. Like For me, my game of the year is Inside, but Overwatch is a close two. I didn't play Uncharted 4, but I know so many people love that game. So I really think it's a three-man race. I It might go to Inside just because it is the non-powerhouse. And it was... You know, if you have three tens, you're going to kind of put you know, the underdog to a 10.1, you know, um, it's, I don't know how it's going to play out all three of those games I think could and do deserve to win game of the year, but it's going to be tough. Right. Um, the argument against inside is it's only an indie game. The ending was weird. Overwatch's argument. It's only a multiplayer game. Uncharted four is like, Oh, it's another uncharted game, right? They all have their quote unquote drawbacks, which I don't think are drawbacks, but that's besides the point. I, I, yeah, I think it's between uh, Overwatch and Uncharted. I think Inside will probably take one of those other categories, uh, Art Direction or something else, and that yeah. they'll give this one to one of those two. Um, will be interesting to see. It's hard to give. The, it's hard. I think it's hard for people to give the game of the year to um, such a small game. You know, yeah. even though it has a huge importance on the industry and stuff like that, I think it's you want to give it to the the big boys. You know, because it helps your show sell and stuff like that. So. That's the nominees for the Game Awards. We finished with the topics. Hopefully you guys enjoyed episode 36 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. Really quick, before we head out, what are we going to be playing? Uh, I'm going to be playing through more of Overwatch, obviously, and uh, going through Mass Effect. Um, and I'm also going to be playing... I'm going to try to get to Quantum Break as well. No promises, though. And if I'm able to, I'm going to pick up Sun and Moon, obviously. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. going to be watching Westworld. Uh, and I think I'm going to go see Doctor Strange, too. And Fantastic Beasts, I think, comes out this weekend as well, so... Um, yeah, see what movies I can catch. I really want to see The Arrival as well. Um, so Oh, yeah. That's pretty much it. Shoot. What about you? So, actually, I'm going to be playing Elder Scrolls Online. Oh, yeah, it's a free play weekend, right? Yeah, so I already downloaded 70-some damn gigabytes. Um, and I, all I did so far was create a character. But, yeah, I'm going to get into it um, and give it a try because it's free until, like, Monday. And then uh, for the next two or three weeks, it only costs $9 to buy uh 
Also, people uh, buy go, the game completely. So. Go on the PSN and the Xbox uh, Live Store and look at the Black Friday deals that are going to be early for people digitally, because yeah. they're going to be great deals. And we there there's a report about the Xbox deals, and it's crazy how good of deals there's going to be. So definitely mm-hmm. look at that too. Sorry, Hopefully go ahead. Hopefully, PlayStation matches it. Yeah. Well, anything else? Uh, Sorry. That was. I mean. Oh shoot. <laughs> Duh. Uh, I grabbed Castlevania Symphony of the Night on Vita. It was three two dollars. So oh nice. That game's a masterpiece. Apparently, I've never played it. So I, I you know I did a couple of Google searches. Like, does this hold up as far as PS One games? And a lot of people said, yeah. Like it's to this day compared to other games, it's still like one of the best. So for what it does. Well, see that uh, real quick. That's going to be one of the biggest things about Switch. As long as the battery life's okay, is people keep forgetting how powerful that virtual console uh, market is on the on the Nintendo consoles. And since it's a hybrid, you're going to have that virtual console available from both sides. You know, it's going to be huge. And another piece of that, and I noticed this while playing uh, uh, Seasons and Ages on the 3DS. While you're emulating those games on the 3DS, it the battery lasts. Probably five times as long as when you're playing an actual 3DS game. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. And I don't even use, I don't even turn the 3D on when I play 3DS um, games. You have so. you have Dishonored too, right? Are you going to be diving into that? Yeah, yeah. Once Elder Scrolls is done, and depending on how I feel about it, yeah, I'm, I need. Yeah, I. Is there a PS4 Pro Dishonored. version like update? Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. I don't nice. know how much of it I'll see. Yeah. Because I don't have a 4K TV yet. Um, but the HDR but, um, though. <laughs> Well, I don't have that either. My TV oh, okay. doesn't do that, and I don't. I mean, as far as I know, it doesn't. Well, the FPS though, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, who knows? It might do nothing. It might be cool. I don't know. It was more. I mean, I haven't seen the true benefits of this stupid console I bought yet. We'll see. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I'm looking at. I do need to get to this. Oh, and, so. and the next episode of Batman comes out on Tuesday. So. Yeah. Shoot. Man, it's gonna <laughs> be a busy week. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, thank you guys for listening to episode 36 of the Controls Interest Gamecast. Hopefully we'll have Jordan back next week. The planets will align and he'll be able to be on the show finally. Um, yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, you subscribe to us on YouTube, search Controlled Interest, and we'll pop right up. We're the, you know, CTRLINT. Uh, we're at 51 subs or something like that, so once we get to 100, we'll have a custom URL. So tell your friends about us, tell your family about us, tell your grandma about us, tell everyone you can about us. Uh, you can also follow us at our personal Twitters. I'm at Jared underscore, Dom is at Dom's Oreos. Jordan, who can join us today, is at Melamotus. Um, controlled interest Twitter is at CTRLINT. Dom does a really good job of tweeting out all of our content as well as news stories throughout the week. So um, if you are subscribed to us on YouTube and you're like, why would I follow you on Twitter if I already know when you guys are uploading videos? He posts news stories all the time. So, um, And not all of them are always ones that we cover on the show. So it's a good way to keep up with video game news if you want to. Um, also, if you can please rate us on iTunes, it definitely helps the show grow. If we get ratings and reviews, it pops up in the trending categories and more people can see us. So that definitely helps us grow. And like we've said before, the bigger we grow, the better our content gets and the better product we can deliver to you guys because that's the most important to us. Uh, yeah, thank you guys. We'll see you guys in episode 37. Hopefully with Jordan, right, Dom? Hopefully we have Jordan back. Hopefully. Bye, guys.